Hello, Dog Pound. This is the Oracle Speaks. And there it is. <laughs> I attempt to tell you about the past, present, and future of our Cleveland Browns. I have a short, succinct message for the Cleveland Browns coaching staff. Not that I necessarily know what I'm talking about, but from my fans' perspective, man, I want to really see the Browns run the dang ball. Kevin, this is for you, man. I don't know that the Browns tried hard enough last week when they played the Los Angeles Rams. It used to be the Cleveland Rams, but they played the Los Angeles Rams Got their butt kicked, although it was a close game until the fourth quarter. And if you look at the stats, by the way, I need to apologize. I, I quoted some stats last week. I got my numbers wrong. I was quoting stats from the Denver game instead of the Rams game. I'm kind of embarrassed about that, but, but I done did it. Shouldn't do stuff like that. But okay, uh, the stats from the Rams game showed that the, you know, the Rams were effective. They held the Browns under four yards per carry. That is true. Um, but I also found that they only used the fullback, Nick Harris, three times for the whole game. That was the limit for his participation, only three times. And I, I think that there's a difference between going heavy jumbo running game and just ordinary running game where you hand the ball off or pitch out and let uh, Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt do their thing. Or we also saw Pierre Strong, who's apparently healed up enough from his hamstring injury that he's able to participate, did pretty well. But uh, I wanted to see if the jumbo formation would work against the Rams. And by that, I mean use an extra tight end, and in this case it would be Nick Harris, who is actually a converted offensive lineman. Nick, by trade, is a center or a guard, and he has been playing extra tight end, and he has been playing fullback for the Cleveland Browns, and he's been pretty good at it. And generally speaking, if you add an extra blocker, you, on the average, add something like a half a yard to the yards per carry of the running back. And the Browns were, you know, they weren't great against the Rams. Let's face it, they were not great. But on the other hand, Joe Flacco was making his first start, and he just had over a week of practice with the number ones. Um... That was asking a lot to have him throw the ball 44 times. I just don't think that was a really good idea. Uh, the the run-to-pass ratio was just way off. And uh, I don't think that the Browns can win if they're going to depend upon Joe Flacco to produce miracles. I mean, I think he did pretty well. He completed uh, 23 out of those 44 passes, or one more than half. And he threw for two touchdowns versus one interception. That's pretty good. Zach got sacked only twice. That's pretty good. And uh, he had a quarterback rating of about 
that's sort of in the Johnny Manziel range for when Johnny had his best year in I think 2015 so mm, it wasn't really that great but nevertheless many in Cleveland and I would say even in the coaching staff have caught Flacomania fever and can't wait to see more of our new acquisition and have dreams that he's going to lead the Browns all the way to the Super Bowl despite the fact that he hasn't had what? Practice! We're talking about practice, not a game. Practice. So people don't think that practice is important and you can just play this like fantasy football. The NFL is just like fantasy football. You find a good talented quarterback and you can put him in a new team, a new situation, new coaching staff, and he's going to perform just like he did uh, two, three, four, five years ago. I don't think it's that simple. I think that Joe has left some tape uh, now that other teams can study. And when they do that, they're going to come up with defenses against him. In other words, they're going to game plan against him. And I think it's going to be more difficult to succeed. So, yeah, uh, Joe Flacco is going to learn more of the playbook. But opposing defenses are going to learn more about what they can do to game plan against him. So I think that's kind of a wash at this point. I think, you know, defenses are on to that. Now, speaking of being on to that, let's talk about the jumbo formation. We've got a uh, right tackle uh, who weighs 374 pounds. Three, that's Dewan Jones, in case you've uh, been living under a rock and didn't hear about this kid from Ohio State. He's a really really big fellow and he is not fat. We call the offensive linemen uh, fat kids just because we want to be smart about it but they are not fat. They are well conditioned athletes. They have um, higher uh, muscle to fat ratio than than you or I. Uh, they are really in tremendous shape and Dewan Jones even among other football players doesn't look the least bit chubby. He's just big and he pushes people around, and so I want to say, well, what happens if you take Dewan Jones, and let's take a an extra tight end, and what that means is that an extra lineman will come into the game, in this case Nick Harris, and he'll be the tight end, he'll play tight end uh, next to Jones. And our tight end is not going to catch any balls or do any trick plays and stuff like that. So let's forget all about that. He's just there to block. He's going to be an extra blocker on the other side of Jones. Or you can even put him inside of Jones if you want and let Jones be the tight end if you want to do it that way. But in any case, uh, this guy, Nick Harris, weighs 300 pounds. So we've got the 370-pound guy who's going to outweigh any kind of reasonable offensive lineman that uh, the other team might put out there. You know, defensive tackles typically, let's say, 270 pounds, sometimes as low as 250. And we're going to uh, back that up with an extra 300-pound guy next to him. So, okay, so we're going to have that. And the Browns also, by the way, have a three tight end package where they put two tight ends uh, on one side of the field, or actually put all three on one side of the field. They put 
two behind the line of scrimmage and one uh, next to the right tackle, and then they form a little wall of blockers and let the running back run behind that. Uh, so you could do that, or you can just have uh, 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 an extra, one extra uh, tight end or two extra tight ends. But anyway, you can do all that stuff on the right side, and on the left side, you still have a wide receiver. Uh, we hope that Amari Cooper will be able to play. And uh, if not, it may be, uh, you, you know, the, the Elijah Moore, one of the uh, other backup wide receivers, but you're going to have to play that guy probably one-on-one -on -one if you are the defensive team. But anyway, the Browns only had Nick Harris as the extra uh, tight end on three plays. And I think that was too early to give up on that to see if that might work, especially in the second half when people start to get a little bit tired on defense. What happens if you take the jumbo formation and run at them? Can you get enough yards? Now, the analytics guys will say that you'll never get big gains by running the, the big boys out there. True. Um, but on the other hand, we're you know, the alternative of letting the quarterback, your new quarterback, without uh, adequate preparation, let him make up the slack is probably not as good an idea as finding out whether the other team can stop the jumbo formation. Um, but, yeah, the prevailing logic today is that the game has changed. Back when I was a youngster, the, it was okay to have more interceptions than touchdowns if you were a quarterback. The pass was kind of a high-risk play that you would do if you, you know, were behind or you needed to take a chance in order to beat somebody. You resort to the forward pass. Otherwise, you try to beat the other team by running the ball. Now, you know, so like Joe Namath threw more interceptions than touchdowns some years, and nobody really paid much mind to that. He was still a great quarterback. We don't really care that that happened because of the way they played football in, during that time. However, if there had been a running back that had more fumbles than touchdowns, I don't think he could make it in the NFL. You just can't do that. You cannot turn the over, could not turn the ball over on offense uh, like that. Uh, the running game was for short yardage, you know, four yards per carry, but don't turn it over. And so that's why, uh, you know, that's how we learned the game. That's how all the coaches that are, you know, all the old geezer coaches thought about uh, running versus passing. And, you know, now they're saying that, you know what, the interception rate is so low. I don't, I'm not sure why we run the ball at all. Why don't we just pass on every play, and we're getting you know six, seven yards per pass attempt. Uh, you know, per rush attempt, we're getting maybe five. Nobody's getting six. So why are we even bothering to run the ball? And that's a valid question. So in general, I don't agree with those who say that we ought to run the ball all the time and never, never pass. You know, and that theory was promoted uh, to some extent last season when Nick Chubb was so excellent that people thought that he should just carry the ball 
virtually every down, and that's not possible. Uh, nobody can withstand that kind of workload, number one. Number two, the numbers weren't really there to support that. Nick Chubb actually does have a six-yard per carry lifetime uh, average in the second half, but any reasonable quarterback can get you seven yards per carry by passing, and um, the turnover rate is not that high when you're throwing the ball these days. So, generally speaking, I don't agree with those who say run, 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 run all the time. But when you've got a quarterback situation where you're down to your third or fourth string guy and your guy hasn't had adequate preparation time, then I think you really do need to find out about your running game and whether you can sustain an offense by running the ball. So we'll talk a little bit more about that, but first I want to leave a commercial break, and I'll also take this time to acknowledge the, um, the musicians that provided music for this show. They're free sound music, and you can look them up online. It's a totally free music service, and it's by voluntary contribution, so I did contribute uh, to that organization. I love the stuff that they produce. I'm very grateful to them. And I'll pause now. Uh, Johnny Cleveland, you're on. Let's make some money. And we are back. Thank you very much. And so, all right, so that's what I'm saying is that I think that the Browns, in this circumstance, even though they don't have Nick Chubb, they should stick to running the ball. Even though they were shut down uh, against the Rams, I think they gave up too easily. And what sticks in my mind, and I wish I could credit the source of this, but I remember I was listening to either ESPN or Fox, and they had some commentator who was formerly in the NFL, and he said, you know, uh, everybody says that they want to run the ball. Everybody says that. But if, the, if things don't go well, the offensive coaches are going to put it up in the air. The defensive coaches, on the other hand, they will actually stay with the run. They'll stick with it. And I think that's kind of what we saw, is that the Browns had trouble running the ball early on, and they just sort of gave up on it, and they wound up depending on, you know, I'll say this again, a guy that had only limited practice time with the squad, and he threw 44 passes, which is just utterly ridiculous. The Browns did not try different ways to run the ball. Um, I'm glad that they didn't do the double handoff method like they did against Denver. That was really dumb. Um, but, you know, I think that, okay, if you, you try to run right, you try to run left, you try to run up the middle, well, did you try to run out of the jumbo formation with a fullback or extra tight end uh, in the form of Nick Harris? And I don't think that getting stopped on three plays, three plays is enough to make a judgment that this is never going to work and they're on to us. And, you know, people who know more than me, and, and let's uh, be upfront that I am not a player. I've not been a coach at any level. I'm just a fan. I don't necessarily know what I'm talking about, but I'm just sharing my opinion as a fan. Um, it just seems to me that, that these uh, formations should be tested and make the other team prove uh, 
that they can stop it. I don't know that the Browns stayed with it long enough in order to make that judgment. The data sample was too small, and uh, under the circumstances, they have to do something in order to get the number of rush attempts up higher so that the quarterback doesn't have to throw that many times. I think, you know, there used to be an old adage that if your quarterback throws the ball 40 times a game, you're going to lose. That's no longer true, but it used to be true back in the day. It's still true for Cleveland as long as uh, we have Flacco trying to learn the playbook. Making him throw more than 40 times is a mistake. It's just a mistake. I don't think it's going to work. I think it, you know if the Browns are forced to stay with Flacco, if uh, he starts, has a reasonable game, goes on, you know perhaps they decide to stay with him thereafter. I think then you'll be able to see him develop as a passer and be able to throw more and more. But in his second game, just like his first game, he should be uh, handing the ball off a lot more than he did. The you know now the people who do know more than me will say that oh well they can't do that Elliot don't you know that the other team has an eight man front and sometimes even a nine man front and they just cannot run the ball against that. Well you know that's that's kind of true. Certainly the eight man front is very difficult to run against. But I want to see whether the Browns jumbo unit, and I'm talking about Dewan Jones, and I'm talking about Nick Chubb, yeah, Nick Chubb, Nick Harris, pardon me, as the extra tight end. I want to see if those guys can run against that eight-man front and make, let's say, four yards per carry under that circumstance. And if they can, then that's a way that they can get more yardage out of the running game. I make them stop us, and if they're holding the, uh, the the running backs to two yards or three in the first half, let's try it again in the second half, and I'll bet you that you can, you know, those two and three yard runs in the second half actually become three, four, and five yard runs. That's something that Jim Tressel used to preach over and over again: is that as the game goes on the offense starts to wear down the defense and the running game actually has an advantage. That, I think, the, the know-it-all community sort of has backwards. They said, oh, you know, if you get behind, you can't run the ball because in the second half you're just not going to make any yardage by running it. No, actually you are going to make a lot of yardage running the ball because you're going to get five and six yards per carry in the second half running against a tired-out um, defense. It happens to us, um, and uh, Nick Chubb should be adequate proof that it happens to other teams as well. And it's not just Nick Chubb. If we've got a combination of running backs, and it looks like now we've got three guys that are finally able to carry the ball, uh, Pierre Strong being added to the tandem of... Uh, Kareem Hunt and Jerome Ford, there's the potential to really have a running game. So I think that's what the Browns ought to do. I think they ought to really commit to running the ball 
Even if they have to punt a few times in the first half, that's not a bad play because why? They're a defensive team, and what they really need to do is to not turn the ball over. I don't think they need to be desperate to score touchdowns, uh, especially early in the game. What they need to do is just establish a pattern where they can first find a way to, to uh, obtain uh, first downs, one or two, and then eventually three or four, put on, put on a sustained drive, kick a field goal, and maybe later on in the second half start scoring touchdowns. But I don't think that you need to panic and stop running the ball. So that's why I'm kind of wound up about the running game. I'm not excited about either Flacco or DTR, for that matter, asking them to throw the ball too many times prematurely in the course of the season. They really haven't had the preparation to be able to do that. I think you ought to minimize the number of times you put the ball up the air and try to find ways that you can run the ball. So that's my sermon for today. I hope that you have a great weekend. Let's see how the Browns do against Jacksonville. Uh, Jacksonville may be down to their third string quarterback, by the way, because I understand that C.J. Beathard is having some uh, difficulties with his arm, I guess, but we'll find out. Um, Browns are favored now after being a three-point underdog to start the week. They're now a one-point favorite. It should be a really great ball game. I think C.J. Beathard is a professional quarterback, and if he starts, he'll probably do a good job against us. And uh, I hesitate to predict which way it's going to go. It's, it should be a great game, and I can't wait. Hope you feel the same. Take care, and we'll talk again after the game. Ta-ta for now.